This week on Geek Explained, with the conclusion of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we're diving into the comics you should read next with a good old fashioned comics catch up. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and today's episode is another edition of our Comics Catch-Up series, where I take a popular media that's based on a comic book, whether that's a film, a TV show, maybe even a video game, and talk about the comics that you should read if you want to continue on with that character, team, or whatever. Uh, this time around, we're doing Falcon and the Winter Soldier. All six episodes are up and live on Disney+. And with that show kind of wrapping up as we look forward into a new era of Captain America stories, I'm going to take a look back at some of the stories that maybe inspired the show and comics that you should check out if you want to learn more about those characters. We also have, of course, our final weekly review on Falcon and the Winter Soldier with good brother Malcolm Russell Nelson and this week's Comics Countdown. But before we get into all of that, let's check in with this week's news. All right, guys and dolls, let's talk some news. We have our four categories, film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous. No TV news this week, so we're going to kick things off with miscellaneous news. One piece of very interesting video game news. There is currently a rumor going around that NetherRealm, which I'm sure you know... is the studio behind the Mortal Kombat franchise, as well as DC Comics' Injustice franchise, may be dipping their toes into another comic book franchise. Rumor going around right now is that NetherRealm is working on a Marvel fighting game. Uh, No details right now. None of the uh, companies involved had made any kind of... um, confirmation or any official statement but the rumor is very interesting especially if you are a fan of those injustice games i really enjoy them um and the idea that we might be getting a marvel game kind of in the same vein whether it comes to the you know uh lore the story the customization the gameplay i think would be really really fun that being said netherrealm is owned by wb so i don't know how that would work but i'm going to keep my ear to the ground for this and i would be very interested in getting another marvel fighting game because if anything when it comes to marvel games we are just We have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to good Marvel games right now. There are so many good Marvel games. (sighs) You know, I really just... We all wanted Avengers to be good. I enjoyed some of it. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we get some good Marvel uh, video game goodness here soon. And maybe this fighting game may do the trick if it exists. 
Who knows? But uh, that is going to bring us over to comics news. Two pieces of comics news that I am very excited about over on the DC Comics side of things. Two big comics were announced over the past week. First off, if you are a fan of the DCAU, uh, Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Justice League Unlimited, you would be very excited to know that we are getting a continuation of the Justice League Unlimited stories. Kind of in the same way of Batman the Avengers continue that came out last year. This book is going to be called Justice League Infinity with James Tucker and J.M. DeMatteis uh, on writing duties and Ethan Beaver's on art. I'm not super familiar with Ethan Beavers as an artist, but if it's anything like the promo material that they put out for this, we're going to be in for a very good time. I'm excited about this. Um, I love the DCAU. You know this. If you go back a couple episodes to our top five comic book cartoons, you would know the love that I have for the DCAU and uh, Justice League Unlimited. So this is very exciting for me. We also got a huge announcement, the biggest comics announcement for the, for me in the past week, and that's that Superman will be wrapping up at the end of June, the current Superman run with Philip Kennedy Johnson, and a new writer-artist team will be taking over the title. This uh, mainline Superman book is going to be turned into Superman, Son of Kal-El, starring Jonathan Kent in the lead title role, written by Tom Taylor. That's right, my favorite writer in comics right now is going to be writing Superman. I have made all the wishes on a star that I possibly could have. One finger has curled up on the monkey's paw because, of course, it's not him writing uh, Kal-El, it's him writing The Son of Kal-El, but if anyone knows how to write John Kent as Superman, it's the man who wrote that character in Deceased, uh, in the Deceased sequel. I am very excited about this. Dead Planet was a great book, and even in the original Deceased book, the scenes that we got from Tom Taylor between Clark and John were incredible. Uh, John Timms has also been tapped for art duties on this. Now, I'm kind of hot and cold on John Timms as an artist. I think he has it in him to do some incredible art, but at the same time, his proportions are wildly inconsistent. So I'm cautiously optimistic about that, but I have faith in Tom Taylor. I have the utmost faith. And uh, they released this news with a pretty sick-looking cover, a big homage back to Superman number one with a yellow border, the whole the complete story and the dare of the daring exploits. I really I really dig it. I love the callback to that. It also looks like July is going to be kind of a big status quo change for the Superbooks. So we have this going on. We're going to be getting Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, which is the essentially what they're calling Supergirl's All-Star Superman book. We're also getting the continuing adventures of Clark Kent in Action Comics. And we officially got confirmation that Superman and the Authority is coming to... Uh, comic book shops in July as well with Grant Morrison and Mikhail Janine at the helm. I'm very excited about this. This is a good time to be a Superman fan. We've got this. We've got Superman and Lois coming back pretty soon here after their five-week break. All five of the first episodes or all first five episodes of Superman and Lois are up on HBO Max right now. Go watch them. It is a 
really good time to be a Superman fan. I'm very, very excited about this. And then hopscotching over to our final piece of news, film news. We got confirmation. They did not even wait a week to make this announcement. But you will get no complaints from me because Captain America 4 is on the way with Anthony Mackie in the starring role. We don't know anything about story. We don't know anything about setting, what the plot's going to be, who else is going to show up there. But we do know that Sam Wilson is Captain America. He will be leading the charge. And on writing duties for this film, Malcolm Spellman, who's the showrunner for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as well as uh, lead writer on the show, and I know I'm going to screw this up, so I apologize in advance. Uh, Delan Mousson are going to be writing the script. I'm very excited about that. I think their treatment of Sam was fantastic in the show. And if they end up drawing from the Sam Wilson Captain America comic, there will only be good vibes. I am very excited about this news. This past week, essentially even though there wasn't a whole lot of news to speak of, was chock full of news that spoke to my heart. So as someone who has been getting over a very nasty cold over the past week, I am very excited about this. And that is going to wrap up this week's news. So to move on over, to mosey on over to our main event of this episode, the main course, the entree, if you will, we're going to jump right into a comics catch-up on Falcon. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. done one of these in a while huh this is the return of the comics catch-up segment basically this whole thing in this main part of the episode is going to be about me recommending comics for you to read now that you've wrapped up watching the falcon and the winter soldier on disney plus i mean hopefully you have if you haven't there are going to be some spoilers in this so go finish that show then come back and listen to this because the comics that i'm going to mention here may involve some spoilers of this show so just be aware of that as we move along here but essentially this kind of um this comics catch-up segment is me talking about five books that i think you should go read after you finish watching the show because a lot of times when i'm talking to uh non-comics 
non-comic book fans, non-comic book readers who really enjoy certain superhero media, the first question that I usually get from them is, is this how it went down the comics? Or is this, you know, were they pulling anything from this? And I love getting to kind of get into the nitty gritty about the comics that inspire some of these really popular adaptations. And the wonderful thing about this show about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or I guess we can now call it Captain America and the Winter Soldier, is that they draw on so much comics history while also telling an original story. And so these books aren't going to, you're not going to read these books and out and out be like, oh, this is exactly what the show is. But they are going to involve characters, themes, and concepts from the show that are kind of more or less uh, expanded upon and really give you time to uh, learn and grow with these characters that you wouldn't really have the time to in six hours of television, which I know sounds like a lot of time, but there are always more stories to tell. Marvel is going on over 80 years of comic book storytelling. So these five books, I think, do the best job of keeping you in that Falcon and the Winter Soldier mode while also telling you some awesome stories that you may not be super familiar with. So with all that out of the way, again, brief, light spoilers for the show itself. Let's go ahead and dive right into it. The first book that I have for you here. Also, real quick, you can find all of these books on Comixology, on Amazon. If you don't, you know, if you want to own them in physical copy, you can order them from Amazon or what I always recommend, go to your LCS, go to your local comic book shop. If they have it, awesome. If they don't, they can definitely order it for you. So go check these out. Um, But first up, I have Captain America, the Captain. This is from the year 1987. We're jumping in the way, way back machine for this one. And this took place in the issues of Captain America, number 332, all the way through to 350, as well as a slight dip into Iron Man at the time with issue number 228. And if you do get the collection that is just Captain America, the Captain, all of those issues will be included. It's written by Mark Gruenwald with art by Kieran Dwyer and Tom Morgan. And this is the story of John Watt. Captain America. So to give you a little bit of backstory with this book, at this point, uh, Captain America has been thought out for, I think at this point it was like 20 years in real world time. He was thought out in the mid 60s during the onset of the Marvel era. And he during that time, during the course of the 70s and 80s, had been dealing with a lot of political intrigue people like to talk about how you know comics didn't used to be this political but that is a bold-faced lie or you know at best complete ignorance of the fact that captain america was routinely clashing with his government during the course of this captain america run and at this point in time he had not only sussed out the existence of at that point the secret empire the one and only secret empire i know that might give people who are more familiar with the Nick Spencer run some PTSD flashbacks, but the Secret Empire at this point was just a sect of Hydra that had infiltrated the U.S. government all the way up to it was never at any point um, stated 
blatantly, but it was very heavily, heavily implied that Richard Nixon was a member of Hydra and he was the president at the time. So Steve gave up the costume for a brief time. And during this particular instance, uh, after palling around with the Falcon, Sam Wilson, after buddying up with the Avengers, he found himself unable to deal with the bureaucracy and the in po- the politics that came with being Captain America. So Steve Rogers effectively retired the suit and went on to forge his own identity. During this point, a young man named John, Johnny Boy, John F. Walker was on the rise, having been uh, kind of blazing his own trail as the character Super Patriot. And yes, it is as dumb as it sounds. He had the blonde flat top haircut, this god-awful costume, and he was accompanied by these three guys who were called his Buckies. And it was three guys who were constantly just in tights and Captain America masks, no shirts, and they were totally his best friends. And they were more or less like coming out of this very lucrative professional wrestling run. No, I'm not kidding. Read the comic. And at this point with his status as this kind of vigilante uh, hyper patriot, John Walker was recruited by the U.S. government to be the new Captain America. Shield, costume, everything. They also handpicked one of his buckies, also known as uh, <clears throat> Battlestar later on, to be his Bucky for this uh, run of Captain America. And so we get the story of John Walker during this stint, and we get the origin story of him becoming this Captain America and being a little bit more... Uh, Let's let's just say what it is, a little bit more nationalistic rather than patriotic when it came to the U.S. government. During this time as well, Steve dons this black and red costume and becomes the captain. Uh, it would later on become, you know, something else, but we get to see him kind of going rogue, which is... I think, personally, the best kind of Steve Rogers story is when he's like, no, you know, screw the government, I'm going to go do my own thing, Captain America or no. And we get to see him palling around with some wider uh, Marvel Universe characters while also keeping an eye on this super suspicious John Walker character who seems to be getting more and more manic and more and more unstable as time goes on. Eventually, of course, this does uh, put these two characters on a collision course, a showdown for the shield, if you will. And even though, you know, I'm skipping over a lot because you need to read this, and even though this is ultimately a story about why, you know, at the time at least, Captain America should be Steve Rogers, this is also a fantastic fall from grace for John Walker, who genuinely starts off this run just trying to be a good Captain America, idolizing Steve Rogers, he's trying to do his best, kind of like he does in the show but unfortunately there are things that are both within and without his control that happen over the course of this series people die uh john is betrayed more than once 
which ends up putting John and Steve on this collision course at the climax of the story. And of course, as this all wraps up, we do see the birth of the U.S. agent as essentially John Walker and Steve Rogers swap costumes, you know, Steve Rogers becomes Captain America once again, while John ends up donning Steve's old black, white, and red costume to become the U.S. agent. And overall, it's a great origin for the character. It's a fantastic story about why Steve Rogers is as special as he is. And it's a great story about putting pressure on yourself. It's a great story about the ties that bind and what taking on a mantle like this does to normal people. So it's a fantastic story, uh, gives a great uh, origin and introduction to John Walker when it comes to the comics. And honestly, John's never had a better story in the comics since this. Uh, He's had stories and instances here and there, you know, throughout the years since this book came out, where he you know, is either doing covert ops for the U.S. government or he's on the West Coast Avengers or he's in Force Works with Iron Man, Hawkeye, and Scarlet Witch. But it's never really reached as, as I would say, um, as compelling narrative as it is in this story. John Walker is no more sympathetic in any of the comics that come after this than he is here. And what I'm very excited for John to be um, exploring when it comes to the MCU going forward with the character is dealing with those moral grays. Watching this guy, this dork-ass John Walker, who's really just trying to do his best, but is ultimately very misguided in the way that he does things, seeing him navigate this and hopefully be as compelling a character as he was not just in the original run of uh the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but also in this original comic run. So this is the first of the comics that I want to talk about uh, with a focus on John Walker. Definitely check this out. It's also just an all-time classic Captain America story. So definitely, definitely check this out. The next book that I have on the list here puts the spotlight on another Captain America in the series, that being Isaiah Bradley. This book is called Truth, Red, White, and Black, and is from 2003. It is comprised of a seven-issue miniseries of the same name, written by Robert Morales with art by Kyle Baker. Now, I've talked about this book before on the podcast. Back when I was doing the uh, comics callbacks during the pandemic when there were no new comics coming out, I mentioned this book on that list of Captain America books to check out. And it, I would be remiss if I didn't include it on this list as well, because this is the Isaiah Bradley story. If you, like I, watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier, were completely brought to tears by that second episode reveal of Isaiah Bradley, as well as the wrap up, his, you know, emotional climax in episode six and you were really wanting more from the character really wanting to see flashbacks to his time as the black captain america this is the story for you this tells isaiah bradley's story being a young man during the height of world war ii watching the escalation of the battle between the allies and the axis being more or less um kidnapped and uh drafted into this 
this program where they're testing the super soldier serum and working on the front lines doing covert ops work with very little faith put into you by your superiors. This is Isaiah Bradley becoming a hero. This is a tragic story of Isaiah Bradley, you know, starting off in this program with several others who, uh, for one reason or another, bite the dust and watching him slowly become more cognizant and um, aware of his situation, of the fact that, oh, I'm doing all of this hard work for my country with this super soldier serum, you know, coursing through my veins. But at the same time, I'm reading all of these propaganda comics about Steve Rogers, Captain America, who is the face of the Allied Forces, has the same uh, super soldier serum and really just is getting the spotlight because he's a white guy and watching that watching the progression of his story watching him become more disillusioned with his cause is just a fascinating and ultimately super tragic read it's also and i mentioned this the last time i talked about the comic um the art style is very different from your typical uh from your typical Captain America comic, or really your typical Marvel comic. And from what I understand now, having reread the comic again for this episode, um, the comic was originally drawn in the way that it was because it wanted to, in 2003, echo a lot of the art that you would see on rap and R&B CDs. Like that kind of very... Um, hyper-stylized art style was used to get mainstream uh, people who may not have been into comics at the time to really give this a second look because it was new and it was different. And looking back on it now, the first time I mentioned it, I wasn't a huge fan of the art just because it is so different and I'm very much a visual reader. I will put much more stock into how a comic looks than how a comic reads, sometimes to my detriment, I will admit. But reading through this again and taking into account that this art style was intentional, it's it's a fantastic read and it doesn't detract from me in any way, especially not on this last reread of it. There's also this component in the story that was absent in Falcon and the Winter Soldier when it comes to... Um, Isaiah Bradley in the mantle of Captain America, and that is ultimately the ugly truth of Captain America, of the fact that this guy is having to deal with all of this just terrible treatment from not only his captors, at one point Isaiah Bradley comes face to face with Hitler himself, but also from the people who, you know, ushered him into this, uh, into this experiment in the first place and it's tragic as hell especially when you find out that unlike the book or uh, unlike the uh, the Disney Plus series Steve Rogers learns about him Steve Rogers learns about Isaiah Bradley the entire last issue the entire seventh issue of this book is committed to Steve Rogers in the modern day as Captain America, having just learned about Isaiah Bradley going to his superiors and saying, why didn't you tell me about this? What is going on here? And just addressing it. And it's something that I like that they did with Sam in the show because it makes it more personal. And honestly, it's a better framing device and it's better both 
when it comes to narrative and character, but having Steve Rogers go to Isaiah's apartment, go to his family, and coming to find out that unlike the show, the Super Soldier Serum had adverse effects on Isaiah. Again, I'm not going to spoil it because I want you to read this, but it has very terrible um side effects to Isaiah Bradley to the point that when Steve Rogers ultimately goes and visits him, he's a completely different person. And it's sad. Once again, it's tragic. I also want to uh, just give credence and really give um, ultimate props to this one two-page spread in the last issue where Steve is in Isaiah's home and he sees just this entire wall full of photos featuring Isaiah with different members of the African-American community. It is heartbreaking as well as soul-feeding in the same stroke, and it's just a masterclass in art and storytelling and narrative. But overall, the story that this tells is one of tragedy, it's one of ultimately racism and the huge divide that exists between people of color and those who are kind of put on a pedestal because of their status. And it's a wonderful read. Go check it out. Um, I haven't been able to find it collected in one full volume, but... The issues themselves are fairly easy to find. You can find all the single issues on Comixology. Uh, that's how I read it uh, this most recent time. And so I'm very, very complimentary of this. This is a great read. It's a great story. And if you watched the show and wanted to learn more about Isaiah Bradley as a character, look no further than Truth, Red, White, and Black. So that is second up on the list. Now, as we move into another character, another we'll say former Captain America on the uh, on the list of uh, persons of interest when it comes to the show and someone who is right in the title card of the show as a whole, the Winter Soldier. Bucky Barnes has had a ton of stories that I would absolutely recommend that you go check out. Uh, Bucky, ever since being brought back by Ed Brubaker in the uh, Captain America Winter Soldier run, has just had so many wonderful stories that not only delve into the actions of the character, but also delve into the heart of the character. And for me, it was kind of a toss-up to, you know, get into the book that I really wanted to put on this list when it came to Bucky Barnes. And I am going to give a quick honorable mention to Winter Soldier by Kyle Higgins and Rod Race. Um, or Reese, I'm sorry. Um... It's a wonderful story. It's a five-issue mini that deals with Bucky Barnes trying to help other people um, essentially like get a fresh start. And it very much keys into some of the themes of Bucky's character from the show. But unfortunately, it's only five issues. So right when the story like really ramps up, it ends. It has, I think, a perfect ending to the story to be like, okay, the war, you know, the war goes on. But it is a wonderful story with killer art and a great introspective look to Bucky as a character and um, what his impact on the Marvel Universe is after being 
The Winter Soldier. But the book that I am putting on this list specifically, the number three spot on this, is Winter Soldier by Ed Brubaker. Starting in 2012, uh, this comprises uh, Fear Itself, issue 7.1, Captain America, as well as Winter Soldier, number 1 through 14. This is the original run of uh, Ed Brubaker's Winter... Or, it's the original run of Ed Brubaker on the Winter Soldier character. Uh, it's written, of course, by Ed Brubaker with art by Butch Gweiss. That's right. This past week, I learned that his last name is pronounced Gweiss, unless I got incredibly bad info in that case. I apologize, but I'm going to say it with confidence like I know what I'm talking about. So Butch Gweiss uh, on art duties alongside Michael Lark and... Man, this is a fantastic collection of issues. This uh, deals with, for some backstory, uh, this deals with Bucky Barnes fresh off of being quote-unquote killed as Captain America during the Fear Itself arc. I'm not going to go over Fear Itself because, honestly, not a great story. But it was very significant in the Captain America line of books because during the event... Bucky Barnes as Captain America was seemingly killed by the big bad. And at the conclusion of the story, it was revealed that he had survived. But Steve Rogers was taking up the shield and the mantle of Captain America after being revived earlier in uh, earlier in the year, I believe. And Bucky Barnes was going to go back into secrecy as the Winter Soldier doing covert spy action operations. Basically, Bucky Barnes, Metal Gear Solid, give me that book. Give me that video game. I will be there. But this story kind of picks up from that uh, from that plot. Bucky is doing his spy thriller thing. The world thinks he's dead, and he is working with Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow, and S.H.I.E.L.D. So what I really like about this book and what I think makes it stand out, not just for me, but for uh, fans of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series is that this is essentially a globe hopping spy thriller, just like Falcon and the Winter Soldier was kind of set up to be. Bucky Barnes is dealing with his past, just like he is in the show, and he's going up against former Winter Soldiers. Now, these aren't exactly the same as the Flag Smashers juiced up on Super Soldier Serum uh, in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show. However, these are three essentially three Winter Soldiers that Bucky Barnes trained himself. So they have all of his skill, all of his ability, and they are licensed to kill. And so Bucky is having to go across the globe, tracking them, tracing their whereabouts, and stopping them from killing some very important people in the Marvel Universe. And having Bucky facing off against other, I'll just say it, Super Soldiers, though they don't have the Super Soldier Serum, uh, is just a great time. And it, again, harkens back to the series. And if you had a good time with that plot line, this is the book for you for sure. Uh, Bucky also is going through his whole romance with Natasha Romanoff, which unfortunately wasn't given time to really... Um, be established in the MCU. So this might come as a shock to those of you who aren't, you know, uh, 
regular comics readers or more deep lord comics readers but in the comics bucky barnes and natasha had a romance spanning decades every time that bucky was thawed out of the ice usually natasha was there and she was because in the comics bucky wasn't an agent of hydra he was an agent of the kgb which had ties to the red room which has ties to black widow so when she was you know juiced up with her own formula in the red in the red room back in the late 1950s that's right she's been around for a real real long time she started this romance with bucky barnes that you can explore in uh in other series like winter soldier black widow black widow and winter soldier that kind of thing but in this story it kind of it shows what happens to a Bucky Barnes after he is, you know, done essentially serving the world, just like in the show. In the show, he is someone who fought for his country, effectively died, was captured by Hydra, brought back, became this assassin, and then just as he was able to more or less shake off his brainwashing he had to fight for the fate of the universe and now he's kind of dealing with where does his life go next and this is essentially the same kind of place that Bucky Barnes in this comic finds himself he was the Winter Soldier he became Captain America when Steve died then he again more or less died in action as Captain America and now he has to figure out what to do with his life now that he is not in the public spotlight anymore and watching that develop alongside Bucky's romance with Natasha with the decades of their uh, relationship being fully on display and later on kind of turned against both of them near the end of this run is just a fascinating read gets you engaged in not just the story but also the relationships we get Bucky interacting with other characters in the wider Marvel universe just like in Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well at a certain point he teams up with with but not limited to Captain America, Steve Rogers, Hawkeye, and Wolverine. So if you want some Marvel team-ups, you got them. If you want a spy thriller, you got it. If you want a globe-tropping romance, you got it. It's a great Winter Soldier story that also is very significant because this was the end of Brubaker's run with, Cap- with Captain America comics and at this time, at the time of this recording, with Marvel. He left Marvel after the conclusion of this run, handing the reins off to uh, Jason Latour and Nick Klein for the rest of the Winter Soldier series. And it really was the end of his story. He began his run with the Winter Soldier story, bringing Bucky Barnes back in the mid-2000s and brought it all the way up to 20, I believe this uh, this issue 14 wrapped up in 2013 all the way from i want to say like 2004 2005 into or maybe it might have been anyway it was mid 2000s into 2013 and going from telling the story of the winter soldier and captain america dealing with all that to more of captain america dealing with the harsh uh, political climate of the mid-2000s into Civil War, then into the redemption of Bucky Barnes and the role of Captain America, to having him killed and then having to go back undercover as the Winter Soldier. Completing this saga is in- it's incredibly fulfilling, especially if you started 
uh, Brubaker's run with the character and read it all the way through to this point, it does feel um, like there is still more gas in the tank by the end of this, which I guess every writer should leave with that feeling. But it's a great goodbye to the character. There's a message. There's a whole you know letter written by Brubaker to Marvel and to the fans, you know, thanking them for giving them or giving him the time with the character. It's a great story that concludes a whole chapter of Bucky Barnes' life and opens the door for all of the stuff that would happen for him in the ensuing years. So it's a great story, absolutely worth the time, and if you were a fan of Bucky Barnes, if you were a fan of The Winter Soldier, you should absolutely be picking this up. But... It's not the only book that you should be picking up if you're a fan of this character, especially if you're a fan of Bucky Barnes interacting with Sam Wilson, because the number four pick on this is Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's a miniseries from 2020. The full title is Falcon and Winter Soldier, Cut Off One Head, and that's the name of this five-issue miniseries. This was written by Derek Landy with art by Federico Vinantini. Pretty sure I said that correctly. And if you loved the chemistry between Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan in the roles of Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes, respectively, pick this book up. It is a fun time dealing with these two characters having to team up when there is a threat of national importance here we've got hydra we've got zemo we've got this character called the prodigy who is essentially this huge captain america fanboy who is also born and bred to be a hired killer of the most efficient variety that puts even the winter soldier on the ropes this is a great team-up story between the two of them and also is unique in the fact that this is a story about these two characters post them both being Captain America. At this point, Sam Wilson is back to being the Falcon. At this point, Bucky Barnes is back to being the Winter Soldier. And you, so you see them have that kind of power struggle between like this dynamic of, yeah, we have a mutual friend who is Captain America. That doesn't mean we automatically work well together. And so you get to see that relationship develop. You get to see the way both of them work so differently. And you get to see how being Captain America has kind of shaped their worldview and the way that they approach superheroics. This is a super dynamic story with some really fun art. There's an entire issue where both of them are in their respective Captain America costumes. And it's just incredible. Um... It's also a great uh, story about what the ideal of Captain America means, because Steve Rogers, during the um, during the events of the story, is active as Captain America, but he doesn't really appear all that much in the events of the story. So you get to see the shadow of Steve Rogers. You get to see the shadow of Captain America kind of looming over both Sam and Bucky during the course of the story. And it absolutely 
influences the way that they approach the situations and the conflicts that they get into over the course of the story. And of course, you also have some of the familiar trappings from uh, the show as well. You have Zemo as one of the main threats, even though Zemo doesn't do a whole lot of dancing in this comic. He is still just as captivating. He's still just as compelling a character. Um, Also, real quick plug because you know i can't get go an episode without plugging uh an old episode of the podcast go back a couple episodes we also did a full geek explained episode on baron zemo talking about both uh heinrich and helmet going through their entire comics history if you want to learn more about that character go ahead and check out that episode but this this book does a great job in kind of giving uh, Baron Zemo, who's a very complicated, complex, uh, villainous character, a little bit of levity. There's a moment where um, Sam and Bucky are in conflict with both him and another character who is kind of vying for the leadership of Hydra. And these two villains are uh, utilizing the prodigy. And at a certain point, all of them just kind of turn and they're like, should we just beat up the prodigy kid since he's supposed to be able to take all of us? And they all just start fighting him. And it's just a fun story that while having some very, um, some very important and impactful stakes when it comes to the characters and the narrative also doesn't take itself too seriously. It's a fun buddy cop action adventure story that ultimately is just a great read and at just uh five issues it's a one and done story that you don't have to commit too much time to reading um you know kind of going back to our first pick that was over like over 20 issues that you need to read to get the full story when it comes to the john walker story still read that it's incredible um this is a fun story that doesn't ask too much of the reader to know you don't really need to know all of the you know deep cut comic book stuff going into this it's very new reader friendly and is a fun action filled story featuring our two leads from the falcon and the winter soldier and also puts kind of a spotlight on what Captain America means, not just to the world, but specifically to each of the major players involved. It's a great story. Definitely check it out. And it is, of course, at number four in the list. But the final pick on this list, the book that I think um, really needs to be read by literally everybody, even if you don't read the rest of these stories, which, again, I have to preface, you need to read these stories. Just read them. They're great. If you like comics, even if you're just kind of dipping your toe into comics, these are comics you need to read. This is a comic that everyone should read, regardless of whether they are a fan of the character or not. And, of course, I'm sure you've noticed that somewhat conspicuous by his absence in these other stories is one Sam Wilson. And even though he does make an appearance as Falcon in the previous entry on this list, Falcon and Winter Soldier Cut Off One Head, there is a story about Cap- about Sam Wilson uh, 
stepping into the role of Captain America, dealing with Zemo, dealing with a worldwide threat, and really showing that he has not only the chops, but the ability to be Captain America. And that is all new Captain America from 2014. This is the final pick on the list, number five. It is comprised of a six-issue miniseries by the same name, though I would also recommend kind of in conjunction with this. And you, if you get a collection of this that includes it, you will probably find this comic bundled in on that list. Checking out uh, Captain America number 25 of the Rick Remender run that starts off with uh, Marvel Now with Steve and Dimension Z. Definitely read that and then jump into this because it's kind of the the crowning of Sam Wilson becoming Captain America, but it is written by Rick Remender and uh, drawn by Stuart Immonen, one of my absolute favorite artists of all time. It is a shame that he is not doing comics right now, but he has rightfully earned his rest when it comes to the sheer volume of the incredible comic art that he's done but this is kind of a um this is kind of a perfect storm of storytelling because rick remender is just coming off of this incredible 25 issue run with steve rogers as captain america and at the conclusion of this story Steve Rogers is no longer Captain America. During a battle with the Iron Nail, the Super Soldier Serum is drained from his body, reducing him to Old Man Cap, who you saw at the end of Endgame. Except in this story, it is forced upon him. It's not his choice. And so knowing this and knowing that he can no longer become or he can no longer lead the Avengers or lift the shield and really use it to lead the charge against villainy all across the world, Steve Rogers chooses Sam Wilson as his successor. This really is Sam's big debut, and you could not ask for two better creators in Remender and Eminem to kind of make this Sam's coming out party. This is Sam's big debut as Captain America. This is him stepping into the role for the first time and kind of figuring it out as he goes. It's the story that we more or less saw over the course of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, especially in the final episode, episode six, when he officially dons the costume, which again, chef's kiss, so comic a comics accurate, it surprised the hell out of me, but it is a great story that deals with Sam's expectations, not just from the greater Marvel universe, but also of himself. We get flashbacks into his his history we get flashbacks into his childhood talking about his upbringing his parents the fact that his father was gunned down and he had to deal with the violence of that and watching how that has shaped him as a character through his childhood into adulthood into becoming the falcon and now ultimately captain america this is also watching him deal with characters who are very prominent in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The main villain of this whole story is, once again, our boy, Baron Zemo. Purple sock on his face and all. And his plot to essentially... I don't want to give too much away, but it has worldwide um, ramifications that could potentially kill many, 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 many people. Uh, 
immediately just ups the stakes dealing with this kind of also glow-popping journey. Sam visits several different locations across the uh, course of the story across the world and also finds him coming into contact with not only members of Hydra, but Batroc the Leaper. Batroc is in all his leaping glory and is quite possibly the most French that he has ever been in comics. Uh, Batroc in this story is almost offensively French. The fact that he's using like multiple different French phrases, just talking about like, oh, you wouldn't know anything about perfection as an American, but in France. And like, it's very in your face in a kind of campy way that I love and that you can mostly only strictly pull off in comics like there's no way they're gonna have gsp in the kind of ridiculous costume that he wears in this story spouting off about how much better french cuisine is than american cuisine but it's like it's such a fun time in having those connecting um those connecting or the that connective tissue between Falcon and the Winter Soldier and all new Captain America makes it really easy for fans of the show to kind of key in on characters in the story to be like, okay, I know who that is, I know who that is, and focus on the narrative, which is very much steeped in comics. You know, there are inhuman mentions, Misty Knight shows up, and these are very comic booky characters. And though you might, you know, as a new new comics reader might be familiar with Misty from uh, the Defenders and from the Netflix shows. This is a very different Misty Knight. So I would recommend it just off from that. But not only do you get Sam Wilson dealing with his first big outing as Captain America, you get to see him palling around with someone who has a very deep connection to Steve Rogers. And no, it's not Bucky Barnes. There would be time for team-ups with them later. This is, in fact, Ian Rogers, also known as the Nomad. Now, it would take me a very long time to go over the minutiae of everything that goes into this character, but basically, in essence, he is Steve Rogers and Sharon Carter's son that was aged up in Dimension Z, and that is really all you need to know about it. He's He is a very well-trained combatant who uh, has a very interesting uh, perspective on... Sam being handed the shield because it almost felt like in the lead up to this series when they introduced Ian they you know developed his character that they were more or less leaning towards like this is going to be the new Captain America like they are priming him almost to be the new Captain America there are moments even in the story where he wields the shield better than Sam does and yet when the shield is passed to Sam you can see that there is a tinge of resentment towards Ian or from Ian towards Sam and you get to see that same kind of rough and tumble uh, dynamic between Sam and Ian that you see from Sam and Bucky in not just uh, the MCU films but also in the beginning of Falcon and the Winter Soldier where you know they respect each other they have fun banter they get to poke fun at each other but there's also kind of this deep-seated tension 
between them because they know that for all intents and purposes, the shield probably should have passed to Ian, but instead was given to Sam. And so you get to see that dynamic. You get to see them working together. You get to see the two of them approaching situations and conflicts in very different ways in the same way that Sam and Bucky do in the show. And so as kind of a Bucky stand-in, this works really well. And you don't need to know a whole lot about the character going into it because the story more or less introduces him in a way that catches you up on what's going on with him. You also get to see the the real world implications of Sam Wilson getting the shield. You get to see both the literal and figurative weight of the shield on Sam Wilson as a person. Like one of my favorite parts of the story comes very early on where Sam is, you know, busting into this Hydra facility and he throws the shield out and it just clangs off of two walls, doesn't hit anybody. And one of the Hydra soldiers is like, you know you missed us, right? That was, like, way wide. And he's like, yeah, I know. I suck at this. And he's, like, still working on it. And that's something that I loved about the show. That's something that I love about the early stories of Sam as Cap, is him kind of getting used to the shield and becoming a good Captain America. I would dare say a great Captain America. Um, But this is also a story about him dealing with the idea of there being a black Captain America. It doesn't mention Isaiah Bradley, though I think the story would be much richer for it. But we do get conversations between characters in the story about like, oh, not my Captain America, which would eventually lead into a lot of the big plots of Sam's ongoing series. And you get to see the weight of his past, of him, you know, looking up to Steve as kind of this guy who had all the answers and having to come up with those answers on his own in the same way that Sam does in the series and as someone who absolutely adores Anthony Mackie as a person as well as his portrayal of Sam Wilson in the MCU this is like a one-to-one when it comes to delivery and characterization of Sam Wilson as a character into the story so if you like Anthony Mackie's portrayal of the character it is very easy to get back into that characterization when reading the story because Sam's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder while at the same time more or less stumbling through his through his early days as Captain America and making it up as he goes it's overall a fantastic story that has high stakes a huge emotional core that really gets to why Sam Wilson was the perfect candidate to become Captain America and overall is a fantastic outing for this idea of if anyone else was going to be Captain America besides Steve Rogers it should be Sam Wilson. And it leads really well into the ongoing Sam Wilson Captain America series, which doesn't always happen. I want to stress this. As someone who's been reading comics for a very long time, having a miniseries that leads into an ongoing doesn't always go very smoothly. And so to watch it kind of, to watch the ideas that are set up here lead into the events of the ongoing series is just. It makes it makes Eric a happy reader. I just want to tell you that. So overall, it's a fantastic story. It's a great 
uh, companion piece to the Disney Plus series, and it is absolutely worthy of being on this top five list. So to recap here, we've talked a lot. We've talked a lot about comics. I hope that you have enjoyed kind of stepping into these comics again i tried to be as light on spoilers as possible because i do want you to read all these and i want you to tell me about when you read all these uh to recap these we have captain america the captain if you're looking for a john walker story we have truth red white and black if you're looking for an isaiah bradley story we have winter soldier by ed brubaker if you're looking for a bucky barnes story we have falcon and the winter soldier cut off one head if you're looking for that falcon and bucky dynamic and we have all new captain america if you are looking for Sam's first outing, crowning, big coming out party as Captain America and watching him make that leap from the Falcon into this role of wielding the shield. And overall, what this show has done and what these stories do is tell the continuing and daring exploits of a crusade and battle against evil. And what this is all about is just people trying to do their best, which is something that the MCU as a whole and very specifically Falcon and the Winter Soldier did incredibly well. The show isn't perfect. Of course, there are flaws, but for fans of the MCU, for fans of the characters, for fans of Sam Wilson, of Bucky Barnes, of John Walker, of Isaiah Bradley, of Steve Rogers, who are looking to get into comics thanks to being introduced to these stories and these plots from this Disney Plus show, believe me when I tell you there are plenty of options for you to read and there is no better time to catch up on some comics. It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now we are reviewing the finale, the end of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, though I uh, I have a strange feeling that that's not what the title is going to be going forward on this show. But uh, this is episode six entitled One World, One People. And of course, I am joined by the only man that I feel comfortable strapping wings and a shield to to throw him at a helicopter. It's Malcolm <laughs> Russell Nelson. Malcolm, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I just uh, I just punched a bunch of people into the water, so I feel pretty good. And you look damn good doing it, man. Look damn hey. good. Hey, it's a new suit. What can I say? <laughs> you know. So we are reviewing the uh, the finale, man. We're here. We have gone through six episodes, and before we get into the uh, the episode itself, I just want to know how you feel about kind of the show as a whole. Go going going into the last episode, uh, I or I guess coming out of the last episode, I realized that there was certain things that I expected this show to have answers for or reasons for, like an explanation for that we didn't get, um, and I thought they were going to come like by the end, 
you know, but I don't, I feel like I didn't get those answers specifically. So uh, I still think the show is great. Um, but there are some things that like, you know, it, if you took out these things, it could have been a little tighter. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely agree. I mean, for the most part, I think this is an absolutely like worthy successor. Like this is absolutely like a Captain America story. You yeah. Know, starring for sure. And I would say in that same league of the original uh, trilogy, there are yeah. certain things like you said that I definitely, we're definitely going to talk about that. Um, I think they could have, reached a little bit further on to try and grasp but as a whole i think it accomplished a lot of the things that it set out to do yeah for sure for and sure. one of those things man is getting sam wilson in the captain america suit dude they... i can't believe how accurate the suit is oh man uh, so so i teased it last week because i had seen the action figure reveal uh and i teased it last week by saying there's one thing that they did that it looks like they did that I wish they had had the courage to do in the comics. And that is that he got to keep the goatee. I know. Absolutely agree. Absolutely I, agree. Though. Cause that's my least favorite thing about Sam in the comics when he becomes cap is that he shaves, which makes no sense. Like why? Why? I mean, maybe it's like, it's like mask chafing or something. I don't know, man, but, or, but there's or, or no mask you, there. That's maybe the when you wield the shield, it makes you unable to grow hair on your face. No, that's possible. That's I don't possible. Know. I don't know. Anyway, I just I hope he gets to keep it. Keep it. It looks great. Agreed. I mean, he's he's a gorgeous man, regardless. But like with he that goatee, it's just it's it's, it's that extra mm, bit. I love it. I but love yeah, it. man, they did not waste any time. Like no. he is he is in his star spangled glory within the first like five minutes. It's, yeah, it's for the whole it's for the whole episode. He which is busts through this window yeah. and immediately it's just there it is, comic accurate as all hell. Um, huh? The suit itself, man, I was really happy with it. I was really yeah. happy with the translation of it because I think yeah. when they decided to. Uh, make sam cap in the comics i kind of looked at that suit and i thought to myself and i'm sure we have this conversation as well like that would be the easiest thing to translate into the mcu oh yeah as oh yeah is that exact like superhero military regalia that like, yeah. we've come to know in the mcu at this point exactly and, yeah I, I thought they did it to perfection and i was yeah i was so good looking we we talked about it last week man like we were wondering whether he was gonna have wings or not mm -hmm. and he is rocking the wings with the shield just like in the comics man and it looks even delightful. better because because the wings are red white and blue this time yes which is they an are. even better choice oh my god are they like which is awesome and somebody pointed out like the uh the wings are very uh and I saw this on Twitter, like they, they said that the wings, they actually took like the shape of them from like Eagle wings. Yeah. Like he had the Falcon wings as Falcon and like, yeah, these are now Eagle but wings. And I think these are the like, thing. yeah, these are like slimmer wings. Like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting choice. Uh, it's so cool. Yeah, and we and we pretty much like pick up right where we left off with the GRC getting attacked by the Flag Smashers, and it kind of leads into uh, Sam versus Batrock round two. Mm -hmm. 
and which is awesome uh again dope. like almost right out of the comics like that's yeah. rock is one of the first people that he fights as cap in the all-new captain america so many good. so yeah it's almost again right out of the comics and he like kind of holds his own against batch rock which is awesome yeah <laughs> Like he's doing all the Again, slips and like, he's, you know, he's using, like we mentioned last week, he's using yeah. the, uh, the jet pack to like mm-hmm. boost up some of his shots. To boost him, so, yeah. It's a genius idea. It's so cool. And he escapes uh. in the coolest freaking way. Oh like, my when God. He, he goes au revoir and he like and tosses the shield, shield out and the then window, dives out, just dives out, catches it and flies. It is. It's the catching it as it's like twirling in the air. It's the so coolest cool. thing. I so I cool for sure. Yeah. Like, so meanwhile, during while this is all going down, you know, different people are uh, getting shunted every which way. Some senators are in this helicopter. Some are in these armored trucks, and the, and of course they get hijacked because of mm-hmm. course they do. Yep. Um, was the plan all along? Was the plan all along? And Bucky and uh, Sharon are kind of tasked with getting the people from you know from the trucks essentially. And we get this sweet little uh, Bucky versus the Flag Smashers fight in the middle of the street before cool. uh, our boy Johnny Walker shows up on the scene with so... his jank ass Captain America shield. I love it, and I love that again. He's he's still kind of in not good guy mode at that point because yep. like when he's swinging the shield around like he's swinging it by like one strap and he's clearly going for like kill shots absolutely like, re- he's so aggressive with it it's so interesting to just see his his fight style compared to like steve's or sam's yeah. you know where theirs are they use the shield as a defensive weapon you know as opposed to he's the shield as a weapon is pure offense like, <laughs> which is interesting uh even though it's super janky like <laughs> Dude, my favorite thing is like he just goes he's like ah and he throws it and carly just like spin kicks it and it just plop 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 it's done that like, was so sick it was great and it was sad and that's just that's johnny walker like synonymous with him is just sadness just a yeah. deep profound sadness yes and while this is all going on you know sam is trying to re-hijack the uh the helicopter mm-hmm. and he gets he's using all of the tools available to him his tech expertise using the new red wings that's yep. a red wing 2.0 wings baby yeah and uh i just i have to talk about this this fucking helicopter maneuver man like uh so the coolest the coolest like aerial save the coolest at least at least since seeing uh iron man 3 which has a great aerial save absolutely this might be even cooler it was so awesome him like having red wing scan the helicopter to see okay who in the helicopter has flight training okay, I'm going to text her phone. Like, I'm going to get her on the earbuds and be like, listen, this is how the plan's going to go. I'm going to need you to take the controls. Like, you're only going to have five seconds. Like, let's do this. Like, so cool. And the thing, so when cool. He, when he kind of flies up to the side and he has her countdown from five and he does this, like, little, like, tumble spin, chucks oh my the shield. God. The shield bounces off, knocks the door off, and he just, whoa, just catches the shield and yep. swings. I jumped. 
It was, I was awesome. Like, oh yes, awesome. like so good. The coolest thing, man. Like, I love that the that the shield like ejects from his back too. Yeah. Like he doesn't just like grab it; like it pops up and he catches it and does the spin. Like it's so sick. He's oh, already man. making it his own, and I yeah. love that. I love, and that. I love that he's doing it in front of the city too. There's a lot of yeah. oh, like because yeah. you know there's the NYPD helicopter that like spirals out of control, and he saves that guy from the helicopter, lands on the bridge, the uses cool the shield sh- and the wings to like have the helicopter so like bounce off his back. You know, like I love that the people are seeing him do this too. Like throughout the city, yeah. people are like, "Oh my god!" Like. Is that the Falcon? Like, I mean, it comes in later where the guy's like, that's Black Falcon for you. And the other guy's like, no, that's that's Captain America. Like, Hell yeah. yeah. I I fist pumps, just fist pumps all <laughs> throughout the sky. <laughs> like, And what's cool now is that because we know this suit he got from Wakanda and from Shuri, those wings are most likely vibranium. Yeah. So he is yeah. rocking like a full vibranium kit. Yeah, with him, I think the suit cool. is too. I think the suit might be at least like lined with it because yeah. he takes some pretty serious hits like later. Yeah, and he's okay. Does. Like he's just kind of like you know, oh, like stunned. But yeah, so I think the suit might also be, which is nice. Yeah, uh, and good since he you know again doesn't have powers exactly. <laughs> and so there were there were some really cool moments kind of jumping back to uh, to our boy Johnny Walker. Uh, he gets his hero yes. moment. He yes. gets his hero moment when he is because he is going for the kill for Carly yeah. at all times. And I yeah. loved how visceral that fight felt. That scaffolding fight, which you could tell it was shot in New York because there's scaffolding yeah, everywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> but like Carly like sliding under the bar and then him like coming up to her and just like that that fight is amazing. It's super good. It's so good. And then she, because Carly is uh a master strategist i suppose um just like starts to knock this truck off of this uh off of this ledge into this construction site and johnny walker's got to make a choice jw's gotta either go after carly which he basically promised himself and unbeknownst to them lamar's parents that he was going to do or save these people and you see him like wyatt russell is an incredible he's great. actor. He's great. Struggling with that choice, like every mm-hmm. time that he gets stressed, I'm, I'm he sure does you the, uh, he does the, like he rubs, his, yeah, he like adjusts yeah. the mask. He like, yeah, gets this like migraine, and I'm like, I've been there. Yes. I am there whenever I need to make an important yes, decision. For sure, I love it. It, it. It's and I love the reveal of how he makes the choice of you know Bucky's down in the construction site yeah, fighting fighting like, the guy. I'm gonna have to catch this truck, and he's watching the truck because he's like, I'm gonna have to try and catch the truck. Like I got to figure out how to do this. And then you see the truck getting pulled, and you see Walker's jank ass shield just fall down and hit the ground. Looking and I think that was such a like great a reveal. Yes, looking directly like a hubcap. Uh, and I, I love that that's when the music kicks in from Civil War. Also, yep. again, dropping those music cues, Henry Jackson, I see you. Uh, you know, that's that's when, like, the hero music kicks in. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, he made the right choice. And then the Flag Smashers jump him. And then the truck dr- drops. <laughs> so it's like, oh, good. Well, just like everything else in Johnny Walker's life, he tries so hard and it doesn't even matter. Like, it kind of really sucked for him. I felt really bad. I felt bad, <laughs> I too. Because like, he took a hard fall coming down there too he's he, like his hard head fall. bounced off of a like a support beam i saw yeah like he yeah bounced and just land 
funny thing i was just re-watching that scene before we got on mic and like all the flag smashers more or less land on their feet johnny walker yep. full-on face down and the dirt. i was gonna say even like even lands. bucky lands on his feet like bucky yeah. lands okay john walker does not he just down. he just plants like he still sucks at it which is pretty good like <laughs> and he i will say they went a long way to like try and make him a viable character again or at least someone that you mm-hmm. can support mm-hmm. um i don't know for, if for sure. it was a hundred percent successful but the effort was absolutely there and i i buy it from his point of view too yes like i that i think that's the more impressive thing is that they made it work for the character to think this is okay of right. like oh like i'm going to say these people i'm going to be a hero again like for him to think like this is this is my moment like you buy it it makes sense for him to think that yeah and it's it's funny to me that they like they really tried to like be like this is johnny walker's moment but i think the uh what ends up happening with it is that the catch that he does like the full-on like we're i'm gonna try and catch this it fails he falls the truck is falling again and sam swoops in sam swoops in catches the truck it's really sad because like johnny walker tries and just like you know it's almost the theme of the show johnny fails and sam swoops in the truck gets caught and Mm -hmm. again just another killer hero moment so Mm -hmm. freaking cool because again here's a guy who doesn't have powers and he's able to lift that truck up with you know some rocket boosted assistance but like he's he's working for it that's the thing you know which is awesome and everyone sees that moment is like holy crap what is going on with falcon like yep. <laughs> and, awesome. and like you said like he pushes the truck back up they're able to get it back to safety and they're all like uh-huh. oh man that's that's black falcon and the guy's like nah that's captain america and i was oh i love it so freaking good and then we we come to find out as it continues on the worst kept secret Sharon Carter is the power broker. How did you feel about that reveal? Sucks. Sucks. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I think that's really <laughs> lame, actually. It was, it was I think that's super lame. I was hoping that she was just like the power broker's consigliere. I don't know. It's it's just a choice. Yeah, I was I was hoping that too. I mean, it's again, like you said, it is a choice. I think that now that that's kind of established they can move forward with it and make it something really cool um i'm i'm just gonna we're just gonna skip to this post credit scene because it's like it doesn't really have to do with anybody else besides sharon um sharon gets her part yeah. after everything and then yep. she is immediately just yep, like she's... back in power broker mode and she's just like hey gets on the phone like Sucks. hey we got we got secrets we got things i'm a villain now i'm a bad guy i want to posit it, it to you do you do you have a theory because i have a theory i i think we probably have the same theory go for it i think it's scroll related uh-huh yeah uh-huh i i think it's definitely yeah, it's we are, it has to right it's got to be building to that like yeah yeah i feel like for for those of you who have read the secret invasion comics she's probably like spider woman yeah <laughs> Which it which is funny because we now know that uh, Amelia Clark is joining the show as well, and I feel like ev yes I feel like every single time I see someone new in the in the show now I'm like Veronki 
Viragi, yep. Viragi, <laughs> Viragi, Viragi. Like, yeah, constantly. Every, it's, it's the Mephisto thing all over again, except now exactly. it's, it's, it's green. It's green, yeah, it's worse. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess if they wanted to go this direction, I kind of thought, oh, maybe they're going to... I mean, there was really nothing there, which is unfortunate, like when it comes to MCU Sharon. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that she has a character now. It's just, you know, where do we go with this character from here? I think it's just a really boring. I think it's an easy fix for, well, she didn't really have a character before. So now Fair. we're just going to make her the bad guy. Like that's, yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a weak choice. I, I have a problem with that. Uh, we also don't really get much motivation for it, which is one of my gripes with the show is like, okay, if she's going to be the villain, give me a reason for it. And yeah. we get like a very quick aside where Carly says like, oh, you, you did this because you were mad at the world that betrayed you. But like, that's, that's not enough. Like, yeah, I need to understand why this character who comes from shield legacy, you know, is deciding to be a bad guy, mustache twirly bad guy in Madripoor now. Like, what's the reason? Well, it's because she found out that she made out with her great uncle is what happened. Okay. So show me that. I mean, don't show me them making out again. That's gross. But like, you know. <laughs> no, I think I think the realization she's like, oh my god, I made out with my great uncle. <laughs> Just ruined the world for her. Wait she's, a second. Wait a second. I kissed Papa Steve. Uh, uh, power broker. That's what happened. That's what happened. Okay, it's, it's I feel I feel twenty percent better about it now. Thank you. Twenty. I will take twenty percent. <laughs> but yeah so everything kind of comes to a head in this like you know boiler room fight between yeah. uh carly and sam and once again it kind of i so here's the thing i love the dynamic between carly and sam me I too really i love that he doesn't fight her Agreed. I love the fact that he doesn't choose to fight her i love the dialogue they have um mm -hmm. She is integral to his worldview, especially when it comes to a pivotal scene later in the episode. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, there's I no don't reason. think this show needed her. Yeah, no, that's, and it's unfortunate. That's another problem that I have. Uh, uh, I think that the women in the show are very poorly treated. <laughs> yeah, because uh, there you could honestly not have any of them and it would still be the same exact story, which is a real bummer. Yeah, agreed. Uh, it's, it's, it's sad. And just kind of like we, I think we both said this at some point over the past six weeks, like we knew she was going to die. We knew she was mm -hmm. getting murked, whether it was for sure, you know, by John Walker or somebody else. And this time ended up being Sharon Carter, who is keeping mm -hmm. her power broker secret and Carly's taking it to the grave. She also kills Batrock, which was very surprising. She shot him in the face. <laughs> he could have leaped out of the way. <laughs> I hope that that's on his his headstone. Is this bachelor? He should have leaped. He, he should have leaped out of the way. <laughs> I guess we can call him Batrock the Sleeper now. Ooh, he is. Uh, just a moment of silence. Gonna pour one out for Batrock, the sleeper. Is it a, is it ale that you're pouring? Is it like Algerian ale? 
it's algerian ale mixed with my respect for the character oh there it goes there it's, it goes it's, it's all of sad. it it's a little sad there it is it's a little sad but it's for the homie now <laughs> um, it's for the homie you know but yeah it was it was interesting that they kind of went that direction i also really dug the uh the Sam's version of the I can do this all day moment where she's like, stay down. And he gets up. Oh, my God. No, no. Oh, chills. Chills. What they do with Sam for this entire series, I think, is the strongest point in the entire thing. Like, it makes sense that he's, you know, he's the lead character. It's all about his journey. But just the way that they write him uh is so true to who that character is in the comics who that character is when we first meet him in winter soldier because i mean granted civil war infinity war you don't you don't get a lot of him so you know it's so true to who he is when we first met him but also such an interesting evolution and interesting evolution of that character's blackness i mean i'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute but for sure you know just just it's it's a beautiful character evolution i think they did such a great like kudos to malcolm spellman for being the one black guy in the last very long time who's able to write that character so well yeah like so so well it's it's like anytime you read uh it's like anytime you read a tenaisi coats like black panther comic you're like my god like he gets t'challa so well like it's it's just like that you know see and now i wish now i wish he had been writing cap when sam was cap me too and i i i wonder if there's a way that they could bring that back because i mean marvel's very much about corporate synergy you know like so I mean, this this year, this summer, we're getting that United States of Captain America miniseries. I cannot wait for that series, which man. I can't wait, and I I'm love that on so the covers, excited. they're all in their Captain America costumes. So I'm like, okay, I wonder if that's actually going to be a thing. I I wish that Coates was writing Cap when it was Sam. Agreed. So badly, because I think I think <clears throat> again, and we talked about it. We had a whole episode. If you haven't again, to go it back yet, to go now. Back. You definitely need to go back to that episode. Absolutely. There are definitely things from that run that they're taking cues on here, which is wonderful. Yeah. So go back to listen to that episode. It's the best. The Tale of Two Captains. It's amazing. But I'm biased. Um, <laughs> me too. We're we're both in it. You know, I, I know you're surprised that I guest starred in that in that episode of the podcast. You I, I was there starred. as well. I was there as well. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So meanwhile, we kind of get the wrap up with the rest of the. Uh, super soldiers yeah this is the thing okay (laughs) this is the thing super soldiers are using their you know their uh their flag smasher app try to get out of the out of the tunnels and everything and who shows up but john boy walker john boy walker is on the case and i'm like oh he is gonna massacre these guys totally thought so like they're over this is done Totally thought so. And he hits him with a Lincoln quote. And the quote doesn't even apply to the situation. Doesn't even apply to the situation. It's very weird coming out of his mouth. It's so him trying to be Captain America that it works because of that. Because it's so funny. It's so garbage, but I love it so much. But then for Bucky to come out and be like, it's a great app, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And then they they have the audacity to have Bucky once again read my mind as I'm watching the scene where he just goes like a Lincoln quote and Walker's just like great man great quote great he's just quote. like not when you say it 
<laughs> I love that Walker gives him the back pat. Like that's such a weird thing that Walker's trying to be buddy. We're a team again. With him now. Captain like, America I, and Bucky. I hate it. Look at I us. I hate it. It's so funny. <laughs> and that's something that like I'm I'm like I'm of two minds with, right? Cuz I really I love the development that they gave him over the course of this show that it felt weird to have that switch again. But at the same time, I love dork ass John Walker, man. Oh yeah. Dork ass John Walker just trying to be like, "Hey, I'm John Walker. We're a team." Like it's so good. It's so good. And he's just a total dweeb. And I love that about mm-hmm. this version of the character. It's it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. And we find out, of course, that the uh, the super soldiers are done and dusted after their transport is uh-huh. blown up. Because old man Smithers. <laughs> old man Smithers. <laughs> in, his, in his sick white gloves. Pressing I the love button. it. I love it. Give me the show of that guy just blowing up stuff from his car and I'll watch it. But I can't help but think like this man is 135 years old. (laughs) Zemo, let him retire for God's sake. For real, this man is older than Steve Rogers was. Like, what the hell are you doing? They go go and they play polo. (laughs) Like, it is... They, they they play craps like over at the senior citizens uh house on the moon like they are friends <laughs> but zemo gets you know this nice little moment in uh in the raft where yep. we know that he is going to be until you know the thunderbolts happen mm-hmm. so he is safely tucked away for now um but the big thing the thing that I absolutely love the thing that everybody's been talking about since the episode came out. Sam's speech. It's the speech. Flies down with Carly's body after Sharon kills her and uh, hands her body off. And he has this conversation with uh, with the senators and the and just like the title of, you know, two episodes ago, the whole world is watching. And this speech could have been incredibly hokey incredibly hokey the way it's written by a less uh i would say a less talented actor mm-hmm. could have fallen incredibly flat but it's I, because of the earnest nature that mackie gives it like he's I so earnest with it. it it was incredible i i was in tears like it was, was, I was. I got choked up. Yeah, there is. There's this killer line because he's basically like they're. They're all like, "Thanks for helping us, buddy. We're gonna go back to ruining people's lives." And he's like, oh, "No, wait a second. Like, yeah. And he just like kind of lays into them, rightfully so. And yeah. he's just like, "Look, there's this great moment where he's like, you control the banks. Like, yeah. Why is this a problem? Yeah. And he." He talks Great. about like this very real feeling that I thought was incredibly present in mm-hmm. how 
how relevant and real it was because he's standing there. He's like, I'm standing here wearing this costume. Mm-hmm. And I I'm a black feel... man in the stars and stripes. I feel yes. the stairs. Yes. Like even right now here, I feel the stairs, the judgment. Like, yeah, incredible. And, and he is speaking not just to the people in universe. He is speaking to the people watching the, the show. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he, He's like, I'm standing here, no blonde hair, no super soldiers here, no blue eyes. And he drops this killer line where he says, the only power I have is that I believe we can do better. Do better. Yeah. Chills. Yeah. Absolute it's the most chills. It's one of those defining lines. That's the line that will define that character as Captain America. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. It's the, it's, that's his, I could do this all day. How yeah. that's kind of defined Steve Rogers as Captain America is that he's the person who doesn't give up. Sam Wilson is the person who believes that we could aspire to be something better. Yeah. And that's that's wonderful. Like that's that's amazing. It, and you know, to for them to flash back to like or to show like Isaiah and and Eli watching it and Isaiah like being taken back and like Joaquin watching it too, like the Joaquin world. watching it, yeah. Sarah, like the whole thing, yeah. like everybody's watching it, and he, like, he fully admits, like, yeah, I don't have the freaking answers, but like, we're not going to be able to find the answers if we don't ask the questions. Like, uh-huh. he says, you know, if you keep like going on this path, you are going to get more Carly's. That's just going to happen. Yeah, and, and you don't want to see two point oh. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's so good that he is someone who's it was such a true blue captain america regardless of who's wielding the shield kind of moment where it's like no i don't have all the answers let's work to find them yeah and it was it was great it was great yeah it was it was an amazing like i said defining speech like that that is what defines that character and for a coming out party like that's a hell of a intro oh you know and then he he gets this cute little moment with bucky afterwards and bucky gives him the whole great job cap and i yeah that's the biggest stamp of approval you could ask for like yeah oh when when he catches the truck and they show bucky's face and he's got like the big old smile on his face like oh man he did it like look at him go. so proud of him like yeah. it's it's wonderful <laughs> they are they are best friends for life now and oh yeah I absolutely sure. love it i mean we see that at the end he's invited to the cookout he's invited to the cookout Not he's a that, part of the family stuff he he brings his store bought cake. <laughs> so clearly store bought. But at oh least he's God. trying. But he's trying. At least he, he didn't bring homemade potato salad. Oh my he God. You're he right. He could have brought some homemade potato salad. You're right. <laughs> with raisins. I was gonna say he probably with jello in it or something. Ah. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, so they get this great moment. And the thing I was like, I was thinking to myself, I was like during the whole moment where he's making the speech i'm thinking like there is some there is someone that he's reminding me of and there's a feeling i'm getting that's very familiar and i don't know where it's coming from but it's this familiar feeling and i can't i can't put my finger on it and as the scene wraps up uh sam is kind of ushered over by like some guy in a suit who's just yeah. like Hey, there's another, you know, super soldier on the loose. Like, we got eyes on him. He's he's down but not out. And yeah. Sam's just like, all right, I'll get to work. And he just like flies off. And I was like, Awesome. He's Superman. 
He's Superman. Like mm-hmm. this was his Superman That's exactly scene. It. That is exactly it. to end. Yes. The speech, the conversation, the flying mm-hmm. off. Like I was mm-hmm. like, this is Superman. I mean, the catching the truck, the whole the thing, the, the whole thing is very Superman. right. It's all Superman. Yeah. And it's all Superman. And I love it. I absolutely. Yes. Oh, yes. So good. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. And as we kind of wrap up here, we get all, all these loose ends tied up. Bucky goes to, uh, goes to Mr. Nakajima and oh my I God, to admit something. Oh my God. I was a little disappointed with the scene because we did not stick through the conversation. I wish we had seen the whole conversation. And I also think that the acting was a little weird in the scene. Yes. Uh, I, it felt just a little strange. Yeah, because I, we all knew this was coming. When they set up the character, they're like, they're mm-hmm. eventually going to have this conversation. And they got to the beginning of the conversation. And then it just kind of cut away to him, like, closing the door behind him and leaving. And somebody put this on Twitter again. I have to owe this to Twitter. I wish I would thought of it first. But I really wanted this to be, um, someone pointed out, it should have been like the scene from Spider-Man 2 where Peter reveals to Aunt May that he could have stopped Ben. Yes. Yes. And she loses it on him. Yes. It's one of the most heartbreaking scenes I've ever seen. So (laughs) So well acted, pulls up the heartstrings. And this should have been that. Yes. Because I I feel like it, it put the bow on it too neatly. And I I wanted, because Immediately following this, you know, he goes and he leaves the book, having completed it at uh, his therapist's office. I'm glad we got to see her one more time. I like that bit um, a lot. And then we see him go to the uh, the bar and we get, you know, this little look in that like. It's implied basically like he, this man is finally able to start moving on with his life. And Bucky kind of gives him the solid acknowledgement without him looking. He sees his date from the first episode uh-huh. and he kind of goes on his way. And I, I, I wish it had been a little messier. I, I agree. I actually, I actually like that scene more than the him going to, yeah, to the house. Okay. I actually like that bit more. I think there's more emotion in that scene of like the, and maybe it's just the way it's shot, but like the, you know, the close pull in on his face as he's looking through the window and he sees that like, she's, you know, kind of consoling him and, you know, giving him a drink and she clocks him outside the window and makes eye contact like twice and never says it like, that's it. And I, I think that scene is way more effective. Yeah. Like that he, that he once again, hurt this guy. You know, like he heard him twice because he's the one who killed his son. And then he told him that he killed his son, you know, despite the fact that he was his buddy. Like, I, I think that that was a more effective, less clean thing. But Agreed. the the bit of him going and talking to him and it, it just it didn't. Yeah, yeah. it was it, I, messier is a better idea. It should have been a little messier. Yeah. And so uh, but. We get this nice little cookout moment at the end where everything, again, kind of wraps itself up fairly well. Uh, we get some we get some resolution with our boy, John Boy Walker. Jonathan yes. Walker is now officially the U.S. agent. That It's the costume, same, but black. That, black, <laughs> that costume and the way that so he good. delivered it. Looks so good. Perfect. Yeah. Such perfect. 
I could not believe how good it looked. It looks so good. Incredibly clean, ripped off of a comic book page, like so well done. And Val is there and she's basically telling them like, hey, stuff's about to get real weird. Yeah. And she's basically like, you're you're going to be one of my aces in the hole. And I'm like, that's a problem. There are going mm-hmm. to be problems. Mm-hmm. And again, just dork ass John Walker just be like, yep, you got it, Val. And she's like, don't call me that. He's like, yep. Yep. Copy for that. sure. Yep. It's like, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah. 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 Just, he is going to be trouble down the line. Yeah. Yes. And again, like I liked, I liked that he got his resolution. I liked that we got that progression from Captain America into mm-hmm. US agent. Yeah. But I hope that his, uh, his, his character and his kind of descent isn't forgotten. Uh, yes. Forward. Yeah. I think that's the thing about US agents that you take US agent into darker places. Yes. Um, emotionally as a character and darker places like in the mission. Uh, he's he's a black ops Captain America. Yeah. Like you you have to that would weigh on too. anyone. Yeah, he's got the serum that would weigh on anyone, but especially someone like John Walker, who's already just, you know, one sneeze away from losing it on somebody. So yeah. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, yeah, and then and then yeah, the cookout. You know, yeah. you get the cookout moment. Get that beautiful cookout is fantastic. Uh-huh. I loved seeing that. Um, Curtis Harding's uh, on and on playing in the uh-huh. background, which is wonderful. It's a great album, by the way. Face your fear. If you guys haven't listened to it and you like that song, go listen to that album. It's wonderful. Comprehensive. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> it really captures. I'm not. I'm not going to do the whole line, um, <laughs> but. Uh, we do get one more scene that I definitely want to talk to you about. You mentioned him before, Isaiah. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Sam shows up back in Isaiah's oh, house. God. The two of them have another yeah. conversation. And you can mm-hmm. see, even if it's just incrementally, Isaiah's been inspired. Yes. Isaiah's him. been inspired and respects him. Yes. It's it's in everything that he says to him. It's like, I'm, I'm going to be honest. You're special. Yeah. Like you're you're different. You're you're not Malcolm, and you're not you know you're not Martin. You're not Mandela. But there's something different about you. Maybe you can actually do something, you know. And and Sam's talking to him, and is like, you know, I, I, you know, we we built this country. You know, we fought for it, and no one's gonna tell me that I can't fight for it again. You know, and, and Isaiah's just like, shit, you almost got me right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's so impressed by him, which is wonderful. Yeah, and then you know we we get a little bit of Eli again, a little little touch mm-hmm. of Eli, and uh, mm-hmm. Eli's got some attitude. I like that. Eli's got some attitude, as he should. And I liked that he was present for that um, for that uh, the airing of his of Sam's yeah. speech. Yes, because like the one thing that I was saying is like I want him to be inspired by seeing Sam mm-hmm. to becoming patriot, and this yes. is inkling. This is the yeah. start. This is the planting of that. Seed. This is the start. Yes, for sure. And we get this beautiful resolution to Isaiah Bradley's story. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna let you take it away because I this. Oof. 
so okay. so Sam Sam tells Isaiah like, hey, why don't you go get cleaned up? Because Isaiah's working in the in the garden as he likes to do. Uh, a nice subtle touch too of him grabbing that giant tree and just placing yep. it like a nice subtle touch that they don't touch on really. Um, so strong boy. So strong boy. But you know he he Sam tells him like, hey, why don't you go get cleaned up? There's something I want to show you guys. And Eli's like, so where are we going? You know, and he's like, oh, there's something I want to show you. Uh, and so Sam takes them to the Smithsonian, which by the way they went from Baltimore to the Smithsonian. So that's a little bit of a drive. It's a little bit of a drive. It's a quick, like 45 hours. That's the thing of him not telling them before he like, come on. So they go to the Smithsonian and uh, maybe he flew them there. They honestly. go. Maybe. Oh my God. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> you have them both like on his back. <laughs> I exactly. can show you the world. <laughs> I'm sorry. <Swear>! But... <laughs> But they're, so, <laughs> so they're at the Smithsonian. So they're at the Smithsonian, and uh, they're walking through the Captain America exhibit. <laughs> Splendor. Uh, so they're at the Smithsonian. A, they're at the Smithsonian. They're at the Captain America exhibit. And Sam takes them to a part of the exhibit that uh, has a, it's a designated section for Isaiah Bradley. Uh, and there's a statue of him there and a nice like write-up about him and isaiah is like stunned and sam's like now no one will ever forget what you did for this country like no one will forget it you know and isaiah you know shakes his hand and then hugs him like it's it's that's the bit that got me like i i just sobbed i sobbed like lumley's acting in this scene was incredible carl lumley's always been like the one of the most underrated actors i think he's unbelievably good and he's such a good voice talent too but like yes he's a great actor yeah he Um, he has his theater like he is a theatrically trained he is so good on this like he's so good crazy good but you can see like the weight yeah maybe maybe not coming off of him but getting just a little lifting lifting by a decent amount because the acknowledgement means that it mattered yeah you know like that's that's the thing and his sacrifices his sacrifices mattered to someone and that's that goes a long way to somebody you know and it's it's an incredible moment it was it was beautiful yeah that that was the moment that i really i choked up man yeah Oh, it was and I will I just want to make it kind of clear as well. He got a bigger part of the exhibit than Bucky did. Just uh-huh. Just want uh-huh. to mention that Bucky didn't get no statue. Nope. And Which this is right and on, I, man. Oh, so good. Like it yeah. was and I love how inspired Eli looked by this as well. Like, yeah, he's just like Eli's taking it right all up. in. It's a very subtle, like acting choice but he's clearly taking it all in he's looking around everywhere when they're walking to it like he's taking it all in and that's that's a smooth choice for what will hopefully lead to him becoming patriot so as we as we wrap up with the episode and with the series overall um we've been talking about a lot of the things that they did very well we talked about a couple of the things that they could have improved upon are there any things that you uh that you were not happy with by the end of this um i really don't like the sharon villain reveal i think we've already talked about that um walker's wife why does she exist like what's the point of her 
I figured she was going to be somebody to kill off, and I hate to say that. I I like, thought so also. And I wasn't happy about the show. Yeah. So this is at least better than that for yes. now. I think it's still somewhere that that could go, which is a problem. Agreed. Um, and then Zemo, why the mask? There's literally no reason. That makes me so mad as someone who. It makes likes me that very unhappy. Me too. There's no need for it whatsoever. It was in one scene. Mm-hmm. One scene, and mm-hmm. it just like breathed and on by. And it has no reason. It has no explanation. No reason. There's no point. Which drives me, me crazy. Because in in essence, you and I hate to say this because I think. Uh, Daniel Bro is incredible in the role. I love the Zemo character. Mm-hmm. Didn't need Zemo in this. That's also the thing. You don't need Zemo. Like, there are certain roles in this show that you don't need them at all. And you could have really streamlined and given us more time with characters like Carly. Yeah. Honestly, you, you could have taken out Sharon and made her Zemo. And that would have been fine. Okay, like, I just reconfigure it so that both of them are the same character, you know? Right. It, you'd be completely fine. Yeah. Like it, it wouldn't change anything, you know, <laughs> like instead of, yeah. you know, Sharon's watching them from the satellites, just have it be that, Oh yeah. Zemo has satellites also because he's super rich. Sure. Why not? You know, like, Oh, Zemo's the power broker. He's been running things from a jail cell because he's that powerful. Sure. Yeah. Why not? You know, rich. like it, you'd be fine with that. Like it would be like, there's no need for Sharon to be villain there's uh, again we we you know it's the treatment of the women you know i mean sarah doesn't have much to do which is kind of a real bummer and i really like sarah a lot i, I think her. Her, her i think her scenes are really important and really wonderful but overall she doesn't have much to do and i think you could have beefed that up a little bit more too um agreed so yeah i think i think the treatment of women in the show is rough um rough to non-existent uh, and there's really no need for Zemo. Like you could achieve these goals without Zemo and be fine. I agree. And I think they're, you know, they did have some pacing issues throughout the show. I think mm-hmm. there are some things they definitely could have tightened up for sure. Streamlined with, you know, the absence of certain characters. But after we get this incredible finale, I thought for the most part, mm-hmm. you know, we get the new title card captain america and the winter soldier i wish it had been captain america and bucky or captain america and the white wolf but i we might eventually get there that's that's another thing is that i think it's an issue that he's still the winner so but maybe he's reclaiming it maybe you know i could see that being a thing too since he doesn't see it as like a dirty sin anymore that he has you know a uh, uh, to borrow a very overused phrase since 2012, since he doesn't see it as red in his ledger anymore, you know, it hopefully that's that's what that means is that he's like reclaiming it. He's going to retake the name. Yeah, that, and I wouldn't mind that because he's still called the Winter Soldier, like in the comics. That yeah, would be pretty dope if he was called Nomad. But that'd be cool. Captain America, the Nomad. I don't know. Like that'd be cool. It's there are things I think they could have improved upon a lot. There are pacing issues. There's certain themes that I wish that they had taught that they had touched on more. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked more time spent with Isaiah, more time spent having the hard conversations. And the thing that kind of struck me overall with the show is that I was I was more invested in the scenes where Bucky and Sam are just talking. Yes. 
than you know the big action scenes which yes for sure is unfortunate because i i love me some good action i love me some like insane maneuvers like we've talked about it throughout the last six weeks like the action of the show has been incredible yeah but the characters really needed more time which is strange because they had six hours but it still felt that's the thing yes too much going on it's a weird dance of this being half movie half tv show where i think the wrong parts have felt like a tv show and have had too much time to devote to them and the things that i want have felt too much like a movie where there isn't time to devote to them. Right. And it, it should be flipped, you know, do a little less action time and a little more character development time, you know, like it, that would be a better choice, but I get it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, overall, still sh- a banger of a show. Absolutely, man. Like it yeah. was a crazy good show. Yeah. Um, like I said, like the quality of it is, just as good as some of the mcu movies Uh um and i am very excited to see where this team goes next because as we know now as of this recording Uh captain america 4 is on the way with the same showrunner uh Uh at the helm malcolm spellman is writing co-writing actually with uh the person who wrote episode five uh dallin muson which is wonderful so like cool give me more of that social conscience you know give me give me more of that awareness like that's wonderful i'm i'm very about that uh and i and i it's funny going into this coming out of yesterday's episode uh and before we recorded i was debating like should i mention that i'm afraid that they're not going to give him a movie because if they don't give him a movie, then that's going to prove everything that they're saying in the show is true. Like yeah. <laughs> it's going to prove everything bad about the show. Like there's no way they could not do it. I really didn't think that they were going to commit to it. I really I, thought that I they thought were that... just going to commit. Like okay, he's just going to keep getting TV shows. Yeah, you know. I thought that they would eventually. I didn't think it was going to be this soon. They did not yeah. waste any time. Yeah, I, I love that it's already in development and that they're yeah. they're you know jamming on a script, which means that you know the earliest we could see this thing is like 2023, and that's wonderful. Yeah. Like, cool, I give it to me. Awesome. I hope we see him beforehand. Yeah, you know, agreed. I I hope we see Sam as Cap beforehand pop up in other stuff. But and I think we will for sure. Like, give it to me. I'm ready. Absolutely, I already want it. As we uh, as we kind of wrap up here, do you have any? Any final thoughts on Captain America and the Winter Soldier? I when when the title card came up, so I'm watching this thing Friday morning when it goes up, right? Okay. So it's like one, it's like 1 30 in the morning. Uh, I'm watching it as the title card comes up, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I fist pumped like super hard in my chair. And my girlfriend woke up and was like, oh my God, are you seizing? She thought I was having a seizure because I was like shaking the room. (laughs) So, uh, and she can hear me say this story right now. So I'm going to get in uh, uh, trouble, but I'm just looking to make sure she's not coming to, coming to fight me. Um, But yeah, so uh, honestly, that, that was the best surprise was the title card change. That was wonderful. Agreed. Um, I, yeah, I just give me more. Um, and if you want more, again, go read specifically all new Captain America. It's issues one through six. It's a quick six issue miniseries. So good. Written by Rick Remender, drawn by Stuart Immonen. It's beautiful. It 
Sam in his like first like real mission as Captain America going up against Zemo, going up against Batrock. He's got a partner that isn't the Winter Soldier, but they get along very similarly. Um, Ian, good old Ian Rogers. And Sam sucks with the shield. Like I, Pour, I started Rogers alongside Batrock. <sighs> um, oh, the treatment of Ian Rogers and Jet Rogers makes me so mad. And if I was going to write a Marvel comic, One both day. of them would come back. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he's yeah, he's terrible with the shield. Like I like that he has to overcompensate, and it's it's got some really good flashback stuff in there of his. His, 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 you know, being raised and his values and where his values come from, um, being raised like in the church. It, yeah. It's very strong foundational stuff for that character. Uh, so go back and read that specifically. Yeah. Um, if you're, uh, if you're a digital reader, like I've been getting into over the past year on Comicsology, huh? they have the Sam Wilson, Captain America, like two volume omnibus, essentially. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's all, it's all his entire it. run. And they're yeah. on sale. So go mm-hmm. buy them. Go buy them. them. It's They're incredible. well worth it. Yeah. It is, it's amazing. And I'm excited to see them hopefully touch on some of the stories and such and some of the themes of that yeah. Sam Wilson Captain America run. Yeah, for sure. Oh, they also didn't do anything with Joaquin in the wings. And I totally thought that was going to be fake. Yeah, I totally forgot I wanted to throw well. that out. I'm glad that they that showed sucks. him to be like, okay, look, he's, you know, inspired in quotations. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully he'll be in the movie. We'll get the movie. We'll get that deep V. We will yeah. get that deep V. Ooh, baby. And that bird mask. Ooh, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is that is going to wrap up the weekly review. Overall, Malcolm, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, thumbs up, thumbs down. I give it a salute. Oh, I love that. We both salute it. Absolutely. It is a hell of a story and an amazing amazing coming out party for Mm -hmm. Sam Wilson as Captain America pushed forward a lot of uh, stories for characters who needed them. Uh, It was, it was a bit of a puppy ride, but I am still very excited to see where these characters go next for sure. But for sure, that is going to do it for this week's weekly review for now. We are going to go ahead and roll on into this week's comics countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, on Comixology, or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we've got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geeksplain Pick of the Week of last week. And for me, it was very difficult to decide between these two comics but ultimately i went with nightwing 79 written by tom taylor art by bruno redondo i i just there's a certain magic with this nightwing book that i just can't explain but it's so refreshing to have a creative team treating a character that you love well. And maybe it's just because I got used to Dick Grayson getting the short end of the stick over the last few years, but it is a breath of fresh air to see Nightwing just doing his Nightwing thing and having a good time doing it. So uh, it's still very early on in the run. There's only two issues out so far, 78 and 79, in the Tom Taylor Bruno Redondo run. Jump on now because you are going to regret it later on if you don't. But that's last week's books let's take a look at this week's books this week 
We've got six books for you to check out, and so we're going to kick things off with Teen Titans Academy number two. This is written by Tim Sheridan with art by Rafa Sandoval. I really enjoyed the first issue. It set up a lot of intrigue, introduced a bunch of characters, and began the mystery of who Red X just might be. I am still curious on how they're going to handle this uh, Red X reveal. I have no idea who it is, though they've, you know, dropped some clues here and there that I have to assume are just red herrings. But we'll see what happens. We'll see uh, who ends up taking the mantle, and we'll see what else happens with these characters. If nothing else, the first issue set us up with a class of uh, young heroes that at least... I, as a reader, will definitely get attached to as the story moves on. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The questions mount around the new school formed by the original Teen Titans. What's going on with Billy Batson's access to the powers of Shazam? What dark secret is Raven's new pupil Dane hiding? And who's masquerading as the new Red X? So that's also really interesting as well as the new Red X. And what's really fascinating to me is this book is almost like a weird um, continuity mishmash between the current DC universe and the Teen Titans cartoon. Because they reference stuff that happened in the Teen Titans cartoon that did not happen in the DC universe proper. So I'm not sure exactly what the uh, designation for the story is, if we do consider it in continuity or not. But I am here for the ride, for sure. Next up, we have Detective Comics number 1035. This is written by Mariko Tamaki with art by Dan Mora, as well as a backup by Clayton Henry. And this is continuing on the Tamaki uh, Mora era of Batman Detective Comics. And I really enjoyed the first uh, the first foray into this new status quo. I'm really liking the flavor and the um, what is it, the vibe that you get from Mariko Tamaki writing Batman. Um, I know that, you know, this team was the team behind Dark Detective and Future State, but there's something about Batman doing his Batman thing without all of the post-apocalyptic stuff that's in Future State that I just really, really vibe with. And the backup for last issue was really cool, and I have a feeling the backup for this issue is going to be really cool too. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The Neighborhood, Part 2, Slash Huntress, Part 1, Mary Knox. Introducing Mr. Worth. When his daughter is killed during the brutal crime wave gripping Gotham City, eight-foot-tall stack of muscle and money Roland Worth sets out on a path of revenge toward the prime suspect in the crime, Batman. The Dark Knight has been framed for murder, and to make matters worse, this grisly deed seems to be connected to yet another emerging villainous force on the horizon. It's a rogues gallery explosion, and this time there's no mansion on the hill for Bruce Wayne to mount his counterattack. Plus, part one of Huntress and the Hunted. This two-part story zeroes in on Gotham's own violent vengeance. In this chapter, her world is rocked by the gruesome murder of a dear friend. But there's more to this sinister scene than meets the eye. So that's exciting that we know that this is going to be a two-part 
uh, Hunter story as well, because I think that there is such a wide variety of characters in Gotham that kind of restricting uh, the books to be there's okay. Listen, there's so many Batman books. There's so many Batman books, but there are so few books about the people in the Bat family that it, it boggles the mind. So I'm just glad that they're including these characters. I'm glad that they're getting more time to shine, and I'm hoping that this is um, this is a sign towards more involvement with these characters down the line. Next up, we have Action Comics number 1030. This is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson and my, and uh, Becky Cloonan with art by Michael Conrad, Daniel Sampier, and Michael Avon Oming. And this is the new status quo for Superman Action Comics. This is now out of the Golden Age two-parter. Daniel Sampier is officially on art, and I cannot be more excited about that because I love his art. Um, all of the teases, all of the you know page reveals that he's released, I am just incredibly excited about this. And now that we kind of know where the super books are going, it makes me even more excited to see how we get there. So let's go ahead and dive in the synopsis here. War World Rising Part 1 Slash The Passenger, Part 2. War World Rising starts here. A new chapter in Superman's life begins as the challenges of Dark Knight's death metal are causing Clark Kent to feel a change in his powers. Is it possible the Metropolis Marvel could be losing a step? His struggles in taking down the creatures from the breach would suggest as much. If he's going to continue to protect the people of Earth, he'll have to adapt, especially with threats like Mongol out there waiting to launch their biggest attacks on the Earth yet. That's right, those are War World battleships just outside our orbit, and they are heading straight for us. Meanwhile, in the Midnighter backup story, the bad boy of the Authority has to figure out what Andrej Trojan is up to in the present, if he ever wants to get back to Future State and swap places with the Midnighter of 2021, whom he left stranded on Warworld. So, again, I wasn't a huge fan of the Midnighter backups, I just, I don't, this, you know, when Midnighter's done right, I really enjoy Midnight. But when Midnighter is done wrong, I just could not care less about the character. But now that we know that the authority is going to be a big part of Superman's story going into that huge status quo shift, it makes more sense why he's popping up more. But overall, still very excited. You know how much I love Mongol as a character. You know how much I love Warworld as a setting. And this, after so long, okay, stick with me here. After so long of just not being able to read Superman comics, I am so excited that they are almost writing a Superman comic just specially for me. Just makes my heart happy. Just really, really does. But next up, we have Beta Ray Bill number two. This is written and illustrated by Daniel Warren Johnson, and I seriously dug the first issue of this. I think Beta Ray Bill is a phenomenal character who has not gotten enough uh, mainstream 
attention. And this book is fantastic. Getting into uh, Bill's new status quo following the events of the Donny Cates Thor run, dealing with his romance with Sif and the fact that the way that his biology works, it just doesn't really allow them to be as intimate as they would like to. There's just so much there. And Bill's hunt for a new weapon after his precious hammer was shattered is just super compelling the art's gorgeous it's a really good book on a character who deserves more um more praise so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here valhalla is calling beta ray bill bill goes hunting for odin still desperate to resurrect his lost hammer stormbreaker but the former king of Asgard is far from his glory days. Stormbreaker is never coming back. But there is one place where Beta Ray Bill could restore his full powers. The Allfather of Nothing offers the Corbinite a path to immortality, at a price not even a god can afford. Ooh, chills. That's that's really cool. Um, also, Bill and Odin have always had a really interesting relationship. Bill is kind of the son that Odin never had. Bill is like the super honor-bound, like strict, like I am here for my people kind of responsible son that Odin always wanted and just never got with Thor and Loki being the universal screw-ups that they are. But... I'm very excited to see them with both of their status quos having changed, how they interact and where they go forward from here. Next up, we have Batman Superman number 17, written by my boy, Gene Lun Yang, with arts by Ivan Race. And this is continuing on from the uh, crossover of last issue, which I thought was super compelling. Having the two stories essentially playing out throughout the comic, and you could choose to read both at the same time or read one and then go back and read the other, was such an interesting um, story device and something that I hadn't seen in a comic before. And I know that that's probably not what's going to happen now that they've more or less crossed paths, but I thought it opens the door for more interesting um, explorations into what you can do and tell with these stories, especially because it seems like the status quo for this book is going to be talking about more multiversal Batman and Superman uh, crossovers. So really into that, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Worlds Collide in a world where Superman's rocket never reached Earth, the Dark Knight and his sidekick discover a startling rift between dimensions. On the other side, a world where Martha Wayne survived and Bruce never grew up to be Batman. Not only that, but a strange alien has emerged from the rift who's faster than a locomotive and can leap tall buildings in a single bound. The Superman of Metropolis. When these worlds collide, the architects of this alternate history are revealed, and the only ones who can thwart their deadly experiments are the Batman and Superman of Earth-Zero. It's a dynamic dual-world adventure. So that is interesting because it kind of seems like they are taking these characters and being like, yeah, they're super cool, but here's like the mainline Batman and Superman, which I am... I would be disappointed with if they decide to go that route and be like, oh yeah, this was just a tease and now we're going to go back to our mainline Batman Superman because I think it's much more interesting having 
Batman and Super having Batman and Superman of different uh, Earths kind of crossing paths just to see how changed by their worldviews there are. And it kind of harkens back to the original intent of the crossover way back, you know, in the 40s and 50s where they first crossed over of these two people who could not be from different worlds crossing paths for the first time. So I really like that idea. I hope they stick with it. But overall, very excited. And of course, I'm picking this up from my boy Jean Lun Yang. You know this. But the big book of the week, surprisingly enough, and the book you, I think that you should absolutely be picking up is Robin number one. Written by Joshua Williamson with art by Gleb Melnikov. I know that I said some things about this book. I know that I said that I would not be picking up this book when I originally uh, covered the announcement of this book because I wanted this to be a Tim Drake book and I didn't care about another Damian Wayne book. But then... In Detective Comics, they revealed that Connor Hawk is going to be the secondary protagonist or the deuteragonist or whatever in this series. And he is going to be put on a collision course with Damian Wayne. And you know I had to pick this up. Look, it's got, on paper, all the things that I could want. Set in the DC Universe, tons of characters from the shadier parts of that universe, Connor Hawk, Robin, and it's got a tournament. Like, again, this is one of those books that was written for me. However, again, I just cannot get behind Damian Wayne being like the greatest fighter in the DC universe when Cassandra Kane is right there and would easily smoke everybody. But, that being said, I really like this creative team. Melnikov is a fantastic artist, and Joshua Williamson seems to be playing the long game, almost Hickman style, with how he's strategically placing himself in specific books. So I am still looking forward to this. I will be picking this up, and I'm excited for a tournament. We don't get a lot of tournament stories in comic books. Uh, they're more more often found in stuff like anime and manga, but I am very excited to see how this shakes out, excited to kind of touch on some great fighters in the DC universe and see what goes down when my boy Connor Hawk gets back into the mix. So that is going to do it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we have Teen Titans Academy number two, Detective Comics number 1035, Action Comics number 1030, Beta Ray Bill number two, Batman Superman number 17, and Robin number one. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geek Explained podcast and you like what I do here, please feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. Uh, subscriptions and ratings and reviews really do help the podcast out. We drop episodes every single Wednesday, and I would love for you to share us around. Um, ratings, reviews, word of mouth, subscriptions really do help me out really helps the podcast out kind of raises our stock in the podcasting space and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you and if you give us a five-star rating and review on itunes apple podcasts whatever you want to call it i will read your review here live on the podcast you can write literally whatever you want but you give me that five-star rating and review and i will read it on here you can join the likes of our two new reviews that's right i got two 
reviews this week. So thank you very much to these two. First off, we have a review from Mouth Dork. Thank you very much, Mouth Dork. That says, uh, up, up, and away into my ears. This podcast is a total blast. Don't read any further. Just start listening to their Superman Birthright episode, N-A- N-O-W, now. The conversations are celebratory bursts of geek enthusiasm. We need more voices like these in the pop culture podcast space. Just click subscribe. You won't want to miss an app. Thank you so much, Mouth Dork. That means the world to me. Um, the Superman Birthright episode is one of my favorites that I've ever done. I really love talking about that story. It's very personal to me, very near and dear to my heart. And I'm glad that so many people have been enjoying the episode. We also got a great five-star review from our friend Dallas Meeks that says, A podcast that soars even higher than the characters it loves. If you love superheroes, video games, TV, movies, or just geekery in general, this is the podcast for you. Eric is a talent in the podcast world who brings a love who brings love and insights to each topic that everybody needs on a weekly basis. Could not recommend this podcast any higher. Thank you so much, Dallas. Dallas is a good brother, fan of the podcast, friend of the podcast, and I am just very excited. I, it always warms my heart when I see reviews. It really does mean a lot. I know there's like the whole like, oh, we got to get reviews up for analytics, but I, I genuinely do enjoy when people give me reviews. Like I love to see when people are enjoying the stuff that I'm putting out because overall this podcast is by a geek for geeks this podcast was spawned through the uh, desire for me to have these geeky conversations with people that I couldn't really have out here in Los Angeles when I first started out so I'm glad that these people are enjoying the podcast. Uh, they join up and are now part of our mighty nine. That's right. Nine reviews. Uh, they join the likes of Seafire ND, Josh from Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, and Brian. Thank you so much to our new brand new minted mighty nine for their reviews. And I cannot wait to hear yours. Also, if you want to uh, have a question featured on the podcast, if you have a question for me, if you want to get recommendations for something, maybe a quick pitch or my thoughts on the latest pop culture news, feel free to write in. You can be part of our Geeksplain mailbag. Just send emails to geeksplain at gmail.com and put mailbag in the subject header. I will read it here on the podcast and I will answer and address any emails that are sent. I really do love getting the emails. Again, warms my heart whenever I see that someone is enjoying the podcast enough to write in, so feel free to do that. And finally, if you want to keep up to date with the podcast, if you want to keep up to date with me, uh, participate in polls that decide future episodes, as well as just kind of talk about the ridiculous stuff that's going on in the world of comics, film, and TV. You can follow us on social medias at Pod. That's at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We have just recently passed 100 followers on Twitter, and I cannot thank everyone enough for that. It means the world to me. And uh, let's just keep this ball rolling but that is going to wrap up this week's episode and wraps up the month of april which brings us to a very special announcement that i am excited to tell you about because the month of may is not just another month the month of may is not just may 2021 it is another month-long series last year i did anime where i brought on 
some of my friends and foremost experts on anime to talk all things anime and manga. This year, we're doing something a little different, celebrating Marvel's Merry Mutants with X-May. I know, it's dumb because it's X-Men and X-May, but we have an entire month-long series kicking off next week for X-May, an entire month dedicated to the X-Men. Different stories, we have a different guests on for every week, guests you may or may not be familiar with. And next week, I am happy to announce that we are kicking things off. We are getting the ball rolling with X-May Part 1 intro to X-Men comics with fantastic uh, video essayist and all-around amazing nerd Owen Likes Comics. He's going to be joining me for for a discussion on the best comics to get into if you are new to the X-Men, you want to start reading up on them. So tune in for that same geek time, same geek channel next week at the start of May, at the start of, may I say, X-May. But for now, for Geeksplain, this is Eric Azana. Thank you very much for what. But for now, for Geeksplain, this is Eric Gazana. Thank you very much for listening. Wear a mask, stay safe, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.